praise the Lord. We thank the name of the living God, our Savior, for bringing us once again before his presence this evening. My prayer is that each and every one of us would move a step deeper in our walk with the Lord, and that we will know within ourselves that indeed we are his and he is ours. Shall we bow down our heads for prayer? So our dear Father, we thank you so much for opportunity to sit at your feet. I bring each and every heart that is gathered here in person and online before your throne of grace. Lord, speak to us that we may hear you. We pray that, Lord, our hearts will be stirred within us, that we'll feel a warmth in us and know that indeed we have encountered you this evening. We know that you are able to do exceedingly, abundantly above what we think or ask. So we say to you, be all the glory, now and forevermore, in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me thank Papa Sofo, the general overseer, and the leadership for giving me the opportunity to share some thoughts with all of us this evening. The topic that we are to meditate on is holding faith and a good conscience. Holding faith and a good conscience. And these words are found in the first letter that Paul wrote to his son Timothy. So we are taking it from First Timothy chapter 1 and we will read verses 18 and 19. I'll take it first in the KJV so that we will find those exact words there and then we can then switch to one of the modern versions. So let's have First Timothy 1 and we will read verses 18 and 19 in the King James Version. King James Version, if that is available. This is what it says. It says, This charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before on thee, that thou by them mightest war a good warfare, holding faith and a good conscience, which some, having put away concerning faith, have made shipwreck. This charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before on thee, that thou, that thou by them mightest war a good warfare, holding faith and a good conscience. So that is... Those are the words. Holding faith and a good conscience. Which some, having put away concerning faith, have made shipwreck. Hallelujah. Now we can look at it in the NIV. The NIV. We want to come to you know, modern English so that we can all understand. Sort of the the and the my test and the, you know. So it says, Timothy, my son, I am giving you this command in keeping with the prophecies once made about you so that by recalling them you may fight the battle well 
holding on to faith and a good conscience, which some have rejected and so have suffered shipwreck with regard to the faith. Hallelujah. These are words of St. Paul to his son, Timothy. Timothy was uh, Paul's son in the faith. So, Paul was Timothy's papa, you know, as we, we do have it in our parlance these days. Paul was Timothy's papa. And Papa Paul was writing to uh, Timothy, his son. Now, when Paul starts this letter, of course, he identifies himself as usual. And he goes on to talk about um, uh, the purpose of the instruction that, you know, he is writing to uh, Timothy. And in verse 5, this is what Paul said to Timothy. He says, the purpose of my instruction is that all believers would be filled with love that comes from a pure heart, a clear conscience, and genuine faith. So Paul states clearly in verse 5 of 1 Timothy, the purpose. And he says, the purpose of my instruction is that all believers would be filled with love that comes from a pure heart, a clear conscience, and a genuine faith. That is the NLT. So Paul was very clear as to why he was writing to Timothy. Purpose was that all believers, and I believe that those of us gathered here are believers. So Paul's purpose for writing to us is that we will be filled with love, which is a love that comes from a pure heart, a clear conscience, and genuine faith. Throughout the book of uh, Timothy, you see that clear conscience and faith are things that you know, were very dear to Paul. So he's always talking about clear conscience, faith. Clear, clear conscience, faith. You know. And he goes on to talk about how he himself had been a very wicked and blasphemous person towards God and God's people. But God, in his infinite love and mercy, had had mercy on him and had called him the one who used to persecute God's people God had mercy on him and called him. And he said that he believed that God called him so that he would be an example that there is nobody who has gone too far. There is nobody who is so much of a sinner that he is beyond the reach of God's grace. Paul, in reflecting on such grace, such favor, such mercy, which reached out to him, then gave glory and thanks and honor to this king, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, and ascribe to him all glory and honor. It is from this that Paul then proceeds to talk to Timothy about what he is, the, the, the specific instruction that he is giving him. So then he gets to 18 and he says, Timothy, my son, I am giving you this command. So Paul earlier had indicated that, of course, he had asked Timothy to remain in Ephesus. And he had asked him to remain in Ephesus so that he would continue to teach the people and to command and, 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 and commend the word of God to the people so that those who were out there teaching uh, false doctrine, you know, 
will, will be silent. So this is why Paul had asked Timothy to stay on. Timothy was a young minister, as I said, and, and Paul was the papa. And Papa Paul was writing to his young son, and this is what he said to him. I am giving you this command, or I'm giving you this charge. In keeping with the prophecies once made. So, of course, Paul reveals here that uh, in, in, in the commissioning of, of Timothy into this ministry, some prophecies had, had gone concerning Timothy about the fact that he was one that God, I mean, wanted to use, etc. You know, Paul really believed in, in prophecies. And uh, so he reminded Timothy of all the nine things, the good prophecies which were said concerning him. And he said, so that by recalling them, you may fight the battle well, holding on to faith and a good conscience. There are three things that I think this evening I want us to talk about. This call of ours, that we fight the battle well, that we hold on to faith and we hold on to good conscience. These are three things that were very dear to Paul in instructing his son Timothy. The need to fight the battle well, the need to hold on to faith, and the need to hold on to a good conscience. Brothers and sisters in Christ, I think we all need to remind ourselves that we have been called, but we have not called to a tea party. Our call by Christ from the world is a call to battle. It is not that we are to just sit and cross our legs and know now grace will abound and therefore you and I do nothing. Paul tells us in Ephesians 6, 12 and 13. He says that for we are not fighting against flesh and blood, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in, dark, in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. He goes on, therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then, after the battle, you'll be able to remain standing firm. Ephesians 6, 12 and 13. Ephesians 6, 12 and 13. So, you know, Paul was very clear. This call of ours, as I said, is not to rice water, rice water or tea party. But... We are called into battle. There is a Methodism. I like the Methodism book. So it says, there's a Methodism that says that, Christian, seek not yet repose. Cast thy dreams of ease away. Thou art in the midst of foes. Watch and pray. Watch and pray. See, cast thy dreams of ease away. At times we think that when we come to Christ, then everything is, is easy, is rosy. And they lived happily ever after. No. If this is our dream, then the hymn says we should cast that dream away. <coughs> <coughs> and this is what Paul is reminding us when he said to us, thank you, that we are not fighting against flesh and blood. It's important that we remind ourselves that we are not fighting against flesh and blood. So it is not so much it is not so much your grandmother 
or your grandfather who is a witch or that woman who lives in the corner who is out to do you. But we are fighting against rulers and authorities of the unseen world. It's not what you see. Against mighty powers in this dark world. That is Paul talking. So when Paul says that we are fighting against mighty powers, means that Paul even knows that in the spirit world there, there, there are some powers that are august. You don't joke with them. And he says that these are the things that we are fighting against. Against evil spirits in heavenly places. And he goes on to say that therefore put on every piece of God's armor so that you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will be standing firm. It, it, it links us back to what he says to St. Timothy. Eh? So that we can wage a good war. We can wage a good battle. Again in Romans chapter 7, Paul talks about this war and he speaks about it in this way. Romans seven twenty one and 23. This is what he says. So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, that's the NIV, yes. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. So there are two things. He says, I want to do good. I plan to do you know, all the good things. But there is something that is waging war within me. And that thing is preventing me from doing what I know is right to do. So I want to identify two enemies that we are fighting against. We are fighting against the principalities and powers, the unseen rulers, those ones that our eyes cannot see. And we are also fighting against our own flesh. The desires, the evil desires, the weaknesses. Those are the temptations that our flesh will want to push us into. So, There's a, there's a hymn that says that we are fighting against the fightings without and fierce within. We are fighting against things in our own self. Paul says, I pummel my body. I fight my body. I put my body under subjection. Because this body cannot be trusted. This body cannot be trusted. This flesh cannot be trusted. And therefore, Paul is calling on St. Timothy. There is the enemy out there who is waiting to devour us, those evil spirits that would want to oppose us in our walk with the Lord. But aside those ones, we also have our own weaknesses within our flesh. The times that you want to pray and say the spirit is, is willing, but the flesh is weak. Eh? Those are all things. You are tired. You have, you've gone to work the whole day. And you are tired. They say fast. Oh, you fasted her. Oh, Mammon, yea. Even God, after Jesus Himself, He hungered. Yes. These 
are the things, the times that the flesh, yourself, this body, is fighting against you. So Paul identifies the enemy without and the enemy within. And these are the enemies that we are waging war against. And we ought to wage this war relentlessly. We ought to wage this war relentlessly. <coughs> Paul was showing St. Timothy how to wage the war properly. And he says he needs to wage this war holding faith and a clear conscience. So I've already identified the war that we are fighting. The war against, call them the witches, the wizards, your family gods, uh, the principalities, all those ones that you can. And then your own flesh that would want to push you along a certain path that is ungodly. Then Paul says that we need to hold on to faith. But I like the uh, uh, one version of the NIV. It says, clinging tightly onto faith. Clinging. It didn't, say, it, didn't, it didn't say hold on. It says clinging tightly onto faith in Christ. In this war against our own self and against principalities and powers, we must hold tightly to our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And holding tightly onto our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and in his word are non-negotiable. These are must-do if we want to succeed. They are non-negotiable and very essential. We read in Psalm 119 verse 9, it says, How can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. Psalm 119, verse, one, uh, verse 9. That's the NIV. How can a young person stay on the path of purity by living according to your word? So, if we want to live, if we want to stay on the path of purity, you know, there are so many traps that the enemy has set for us. But the Lord has also given us his word. And as we stay in the word of God, we are able to stay on the right path so that we don't walk into the traps that they have set for us. It's by living according to your word. By living according to your word. Psalm 119 verse 9. Again, in verse 11, Psalm 119 verse 11, it says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I have hidden your word. This is, this is, I've hidden your word. It means that, hey, what do we hide? We hide something that we are afraid that, you know, somebody will come and, and grab. Something that we think that somebody can come and steal. Otherwise, when, when you wear your, your chaliwati and you get home, you just leave it by your, your doorstep. Eh? Do you hide your chaliwati? You don't hide your chaliwati. Unless you are so way down there that the chaliwati is your, is your best shoes. But otherwise, chaliwati is chaliwati. But your, the, the shoes that you wear for wedding and, and the women, their trinkets and things like that, they hide them in the inner self. Says The psalmist says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against thee. 
Again, in Psalm 119, verse 105, it says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light on my path. Hallelujah. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light on my path. So, these things show us that the word of God, that's why I said not the word of God, holding on to faith and the word of God, these are non-negotiable. You cannot, you cannot negotiate away from these things to be able to lead a, a, a successful life or to wage a successful battle against the enemy. Last Sunday, we had Reverend J.B. speak to us and he took us to First uh, Peter. He reminded us that indeed, God has given us all things that pertain to life and to godliness. So, in first, uh, Second Peter 1, 3, and 4, uh, just a, a refresher because we heard him. He says, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. Through these, He has given us His very great and precious promises. So that through these, you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. I've talked about the flesh. The flesh that pushes all those desires, you know, ambitions, desires, weaknesses, and things like that. But God's divine nature has given us all things that we need. And these things come in the promises that God has given us. So, again, it takes us back to the word of God. God has given you and I promises. It is by these promises that we are able to escape the corruption that is in the world. My, my, my dear brothers and sisters, these are very critical and important words that you and I have to reflect on and reflect on uh, deeply. Why do I say so? We live in times and seasons where everything seems to have gone haywire. At times when I think of it, it beats my understanding. Maybe you read the newspapers and you see all sorts of, all sorts of things from politicians that have so much money that somebody can just go and pilfer one million dollars from under their bed. And meanwhile, you are looking for just 100 CDs. In fact, somebody is looking for just 20 CDs to go and buy paracetamol to treat his headache. And he can't get. And then we read in the, in the newspapers and on social media, people doing all sorts of abominable things. People living in lewdness. And you want to ask yourself, what is happening? And these are some of these people are the ones that now we call celebrities. Celebrities. So you and I, it's as if we are non-entities. It's as if we are, excuse my language, people who are, oh, these are, these are people who are, who are a little, I don't want to use the word, maybe my wife doesn't like it when I say that, excuse my language, we, we, we live like we are foolish people. He says, well, don't say it. So I don't want to say it. (laughs) 
that's, that's, that's why I'm struggling to use the word. Because he doesn't like it. But, but the world, the world so forces itself on us that you and I are made to think that we are not, we are not thinking straight. We are not up there. In the office, we see people who are getting all the promotions because they are using ways and means. Some of the young ladies, you know that they don't know anything. Every year, they seem to be getting promotion. And you, a Christian, then somebody comes and says, Hey, heaven helps those who help themselves. So, uh, you sit down. So it looks as if we are not wise in this world. But it is only through our hanging on to the promises and claiming them and praying them into our lives that we are able to escape these things. So, again, Paul says to us, do not conform to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you will know or you can prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of, of God. It's not as if God doesn't want us to prosper. God wants you and I to prosper, but he wants us to prosper the right way. There is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof is death. So in Hebrews 1, 6, we read that faith is confidence in what we hope for and the assurance about what we do not see. Faith is the confidence in what we hope for and the assurance about what we do not see. So as we read the word of God, as we read and we believe the promises that God has, it's as if we have them in tangible forms. The assurance of things that we hope for. Yes, we know that it will be well with us. Yes, we know that God, God says that, I wish above all that you will prosper and be in health. So it will be well with us. So although you appear not to have it now, you believe that the thing that Jesus has promised you will come through. And I like what he goes on to say that he says and without faith that is in Hebrews 11.1 1, and without faith it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him hallelujah if you and I don't believe that God exists or that God is a rewarder of them, that then we are wasting our time. He says, whoever comes to God, my dear brother, my dear sister, we are here in the presence of God. So long as we have made that decision that we will believe in God or we believe in God, then we must know that God exists. This God that we are talking about is not some wishy-washy something. We must. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. What is faith? Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. The evidence of things that we have not seen. 
So the promises that God has for us, we believe. Because we know that he who has promised us is the son of God. He is the word of God. He and his words are one and the same. He says he's exalted his word above all things. So whoever comes to God must know that he exists. If you can't come to that position that God exists, then don't waste your time with God. Because God exists. And he's a rewarder of them who diligently seek him. Then he goes on. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because whoever comes to him must know, must believe that he exists. And he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Would that God would help us to know that he exists, that each and every one of us in his or her own life can testify to the fact that God exists. That when we ask him, he rewards us. He says, we should ask and we shall receive. We should seek and we will find. We should knock and it shall be open unto us. For whoever asks, receives. Whoever seeks, finds. Whoever knocks, it shall be opened unto him. His words are yea and amen. Brethren, our God is indeed alive. And we must be determined to fight this battle. Holding on to the promises that God has so graciously offered us in his word. Holding on to faith. Now we move to the third one, which is a good conscience. The third thing that Paul recommends to his son Timothy is a good conscience. And he adds that some people, having left good conscience, have made a shipwreck of their faith. What is conscience? What is conscience? Conscience is defined. Conscience Conscience is defined as a person's moral sense of right and wrong, viewed as acting as a guide to one's behavior. Conscience is defined as, quote, a person's moral sense of right or wrong. This, this you can find it in Google. Everybody Googles. So Google. And you'll find the definition of conscience there. His conscience is defined as a person's moral sense of right or wrong. And it is viewed as acting as a guide to one's behavior. So your conscience acts as a guide to one's behavior. But you know, we live in a world where everything appears to have gone haywire. Okay? So, the sense of what is right or wrong itself is now a big subject matter of debate. And I saw something that was posted on, um, I think the, I don't, I'm not sure whether it's a men's fellowship or the wisdom the Wisdom Fellowship page, where, you know, 
somebody was on a flight, and there was a lady sitting by, by him, and this lady appeared to be breastfeeding, you know, the baby. And then the guy realized that the, 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 the woman was breastfeeding a cat. So he called the, the, the air hostess. He was shocked. He said, no, she's breastfeeding a cat. And, and there was, no, this is none of your business. I mean, you know, no, I'm, it's not a cat. It's, it's a baby. It's a baby. You know, this is my right. You know, you are, you, are, you are violating my privacy. You are violating my privacy, what I do. So they, they came and then they said, is it a cat? No, 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 it doesn't matter. It's my baby. It's my baby. You are evading my privacy. He said, so can you take that thing off? And he said, okay, you, you, if you like, you can take it off. And, and the, the hostess took that thing off. And behold, it was a cat. And the guy just jumped out of the seat. I mean, this is the world that we live in now. That a woman thinks that a cat is a baby and will put the cat to her breast to breastfeed a cat. This is what we are talking about. Conscience. So the conscience, which is our moral compass, can go haywire. And when it goes haywire, then where is your anchor? But for you and I, as Christians, you know, the, uh, the, the psalmist says that how can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. It says, your word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. Also, you see that the entrance of your word giveth light. And I like what uh, 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 John says to us. In him was life. And that life was the light of the world. And the light shines in darkness. And darkness is not able to overcome it. In Jesus Christ, our Lord, is light. When we feed on the word of God, our conscience becomes sharper and clearer. We are able to tell between what is right and what is wrong. There is no equivocation about that. There is no argument about that. The word tells us how you and I ought to lead our lives in the home, in our offices, at the marketplace. So, if you are a Christian and you are a married man or a married woman, the Bible frowns on adultery. The Bible frowns on being arrogant. The Bible frowns on, 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 on wives that are, that are not subordinate. On husbands that are not loving their wives. These are basic for us. If you are a boss at your workplace, the Bible enjoins you to treat all your workers fairly. Because you are accountable to Christ. You cannot make all the money and keep all to yourself. And pay your, your workers a pittance. And think that you have 
the, 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 the approval of God. If you are an employee and you know that you are being paid for the work that you are doing, again, the Bible enjoins you that you are to serve not as men pleasers, but you do it as unto the Lord. If you are a servant, you serve because your master expects you to do that. So, Paul, Paul, as I said to you, was one who believed in conscience. Read Paul's letters. Read uh, Timothy. Read Corinthians. And you see how he again comes back and says, I hold a clear conscience. I hold a clear conscience. In, in, in response to a clear conscience. So, in, in Acts 24, 16, he says, So I strive always to keep my conscience clear before God and man. Acts 24, 16. Again, in Romans 13, 5, he says with regard to submission to authorities, Therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but also as a matter of conscience. As a matter of conscience. So, my wife is always reminding me, when I get to, you know, they say, when women are driving and they get to the amber, they say, stop. For the men, say, go, 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 go. So we step on it and we want to zoom past. Uh, God has seen you. So we do these things not only because we are afraid of authorities, but out of conscience to God. Out of a good conscience to God. When we allow the word of God to have a free course in our life, we become transformed in our mind. We become transformed in our mind. Our life becomes sanitized. There are certain, certain words will not come out of our mouth. I always make reference to my, 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 my father. My father was not one, he, he was a teacher. He was very liberal with lashing. But as for his words, he guarded his words. And if you did something and my father wanted to insult you, he said, if you do this, then they'll have to insult you so that you know that you've been insulted. That was my father's wildest insult. So there's nothing like, my wife says I shouldn't say those words. They have to insult you so that you know that you've been insulted. I said, not, not, not certain words that, you know, as somebody utters those and say, ah, go and paste. Out of a good conscience. When we allow the word of God to have a free course in our life, we become transformed in our mind. We are then able to lay aside all the filthiness, greed, immorality, idolatry, and such things that the world holds to us as being attractive. It is then that we can think straight, as Paul puts it, and prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. 
So when Paul writes, and he says, May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, when the word of God, you become saturated with the word of God. You realize that there are so many things that the world holds so dear. They don't mean a thing to you. Paul says that all the things that charm me most, I count them as dung. All that he cared is that he might know the Lord. He might know his calling. He might walk righteously with him. So that at last, when he stands before him, he would say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Paul urged son Timothy to wage a good war holding onto faith and a good conscience. This evening, we are being reminded, Paul reminds all of us this evening that we are at war. That we are not in peaceful times. In fact, should we, should we deceive ourselves into thinking that we are in peaceful times? The world will show us and before we realize we will be doing certain things that you say, hey, me. These things are written for us so that we will know, so that we will be, we will be mindful how we walk, how we conduct ourselves in this world. Because we are not fighting against flesh and blood. We are fighting against principalities and powers. The unseen rulers of this dark world. But Paul reminds us this evening that we can wage the war and be successful. We can wage a good war. And we wage this good war by holding onto faith and the word of God in Christ Jesus. That we can wage this war looking unto Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. That we can wage this war by not becoming too, too sure of ourselves, too arrogant. Too, you know, he, and he talked about uh, two people, Hymenaeus and, and Alexander, who he said, you know, they, by, by, by living uh, conscience, they have wandered away. And he said he had given them up. To Satan. The simple things that you and I need to concern ourselves with is the Word of God. The Word of God is not complex. It is when we want to delve into some hoodious things that is when we can stray. It is when we want we, we, we stray. You know, so the, 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 the candle of the Lord, the Spirit of God Sharpens. When the word of God comes to us and the spirit of God breaks through, you know, we become wiser. The word of God becomes a candle to us. We are then able to decipher between good and evil. But when we want to pretend, so all these so-called men of God who are out there doing pray for me and will take people to 
uh, beaches and supposedly be washing women and all that. They are all deceiving themselves. And they know that they are deceiving themselves. Paul is opening to you and I the pure, unadulterated word of God. So that when we wage war this way, holding unto Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, and holding to good conscience, we will be able to wage a good battle. We will be able to be successful in this battle, holding on to faith and a good conscience. My prayer this evening is that all of us will be like children. Will be like children looking to their father for their daily sustenance through the word. Through the word. May we hide the word of God in our hearts that we may not sin against God. May the word of God be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. May the entry of the light of God give us light so that we will walk in the light and not in darkness. That way we will not hit our foot against the stone but the angels of God will be on assignment so that you and I can wage a good war holding on to good conscience so that nobody will say to us, ah, I thought he or she was a Christian. Or as somebody has written at the back of uh, one of these bone shakers, that is, I mean, even that, you, you so, the, the, the way you, you how, how, do I, how do I do the translation? Even as you go to church, this is the way you behave. I thought he said he goes to church. May that never be said of us. But may we be salt. May we be light to the world around us. So that as people look at us, they will desire to encounter our Lord. They will desire to know the secret of our success. And we will become good signposts to heaven. To the glory of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. Amen.